Children's Church, we are in Matthew chapter 15, verses 22 to 25, but as always, keep your Bibles open because we're looking elsewhere. Would you please stand out of honor to God and His Word? That may help the children get out too. Matthew 15, beginning in verse 22. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. But he answered her, Not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she cries after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent, but into the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Thank you. You may be seated. I don't know if you noticed from this verse here, but when this lady first cries out to Jesus, he ignores her. It says, he answered her, not a word. Well, speaking of ignoring, after church, the new preacher stood at the door greeting the congregation. A man shook the preacher's hand and said, that was a horrible sermon. A few minutes later, the same man came around and shook his hand and said, that's an ugly suit. A few minutes later, the same man came back around again and shook his hand and said, you're boring. Well, noticing this going on, the deacon came over to the preacher and said, ignore him. He just goes around repeating what he hears everybody else saying. <laughs> Let's look this morning at foreign faith. I think I, in the bulletin it says Canaanite faith. That's fine. Foreign faith. The first thing I want us to note is her request in verse 22. She asked for mercy. She asked for mercy. Now, a more common word that we would use today is compassion. She's saying, have compassion upon me. And then she asked for exorcism for her daughter. Her daughter was demon-possessed. It says there, my daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. Now, I don't know if you remember last week or not, but I firmly told you, I do not believe in ghosts, but I do believe in demons. I absolutely believe in demons, but I don't believe in ghosts. And somebody asked me after church last week, do you think sometimes maybe demons manifest themselves as what we call ghosts? Well, maybe. But I don't believe in ghosts. I believe in demons. And this woman's daughter had at least one, maybe more, demons within her. Let me just tell you a couple things about demons because this is a whole other sermon on demons. Number one, demons can only possess the living. They can only possess the living. So a demon can't possess grandma's rocking chair. Uh, they can't possess a house. They can only possess the living. Secondly, demons cannot possess believers. Somebody that has genuinely received Jesus Christ as a personal Savior and Lord. Why? Because we're already inhabited. We're already indwelt. We're already possessed by the Holy Spirit of God. And there's no room for a demon if you've got the Holy Spirit within you. And the third thing I want to tell you about demons is that multiple demons can possess one individual. A couple examples from the Bible. A man named Legion. He had multiple demons within him. And Mary Magdalene. We're told she had seven demons in her. So anyway, this lady comes to Jesus. She asks for compassion. She asks for exorcism for her daughter. And notice what she calls Jesus in those verses there. The first thing she calls him is Lord. Now that's the Greek word kurios, which can just mean a term of respect like master or boss. But it can also mean God. And I'll get into this later, but you have to decide for yourself from the context. Is she just calling him master or is she calling him God? And then she calls him son of David. Now that's another word for Messiah. So she calls him Lord and Messiah. But this is totally unusual for that time, and here's why. She was female. And males and females did not speak to each other in public. Not even a husband would speak to his wife in public. 
This just was not done. And yet here's this woman crying out to a man, Jesus. And he wasn't just any old man. Whether she knew all that he was or not, he was clearly very important. He was surrounded by people. And she calls out to him. She says, have compassion on me. Get this demon out of my daughter. I recognize you're the Lord and you're the Messiah. That's her request. But secondly, I want us to look at his response. Verse 23 says, he had no response. He said nothing. He said nothing to her at all. His silence is both deliberate and dramatic. So then she goes to his disciples. And then the, the disciples come to Jesus. They say, send her away. She's bugging us now. Send her away. And look what he responds in verse 24. He says, she's not one of us. She's not an Israelite. In fact, she was a foreigner. She was a Canaanite. You might remember the Canaanites were the enemies of God's people in the Old Testament. They were the ones that were in the promised land before the Israelites came and they were to go in and conquer the Canaanites. Now, when you read this version in Mark, Mark also, the Gospel of Mark in Mark chapter 7, he calls her not Canaanite, he calls her Syrophoenician. Same thing. It's just a more technical term that sometimes... uh, My tang gets tangled when I try to say it, so I try not to uh, pronounce that. But I want you to notice something else, how Jesus defines the Israelites. He says, I'm not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He calls the Israelites lost sheep. Now hear this. The Israelites, we call them Jews today, they may be the chosen people. They may be very religious but they are lost without Jesus Christ. They are lost without Jesus Christ. And that's not a popular thing to say. But I'm not trying to be popular. I I will accept that they are special people in God's eyes. But without Christ, they are lost. And so is everybody else. Without Christ, lost. Lost. And Jesus calls them the lost sheep of Israel. Well, look in verse 25. So this woman comes back to Jesus. So she went to him first, said, have compassion, exercise this demon for my daughter. He ignores her. Then they go to the disciples and the disciples come to Jesus and say, she's bothering us now. Get rid of her. And so she came back to Jesus. Would you say she was persistent? I would. She was persistent. She didn't give up till she had an answer. Ignoring somebody, that's not an answer. She was persistent. I wonder about you. Are you persistent? Maybe you ask once and then you forget. So you ask God, you know, uh, you ask Him this week. Maybe you ask Him today when we were having silent prayer time. You ask Him about something and now you're done. You're not going to ask Him again. Once is enough. Or maybe you asked six weeks ago or you asked six months ago or you asked a year ago and you said, I'm done. Learn from this lady. She was persistent. She did not give up till she had an answer. In fact, look here in, in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7. I'm going to read it in English and then I'm going to translate it for you into the Greek. It says, Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Now let me translate it from the Greek. Keep asking and it shall be given to you. Keep seeking and you shall find. Keep knocking and it shall be opened unto you. We must continually ask until there is an answer. This woman goes to Jesus. He ignores her. She goes to his disciples. They go to Jesus. They send her away. She comes back to Jesus. And look what he says in verse 26. 
He said it is not right to give the children's food to dogs. It is not right to give the children's food to dogs. Now the word Jesus uses for dogs there, these are not scavenging dogs that were just roaming through the town. These were household pets. And so this is not the worst thing Jesus could have said to her, but he still said something that wasn't nice. Somebody just told me last week that Jesus was never disrespectful. He was always kind and uplifting. Well, he wasn't here. He ignores the woman. Then he says, she's not one of us. And then he says, it's not right to give the children's food to dogs. I don't see that kind and uplifting. But that was his response. So thirdly, let's look at her rebuttal. Look in verse 25. She says, help me. Help me. And nobody else can help me. Help me, please, help me. What courage this woman had. What faith this woman had. Help me. She was female. She was foreign. But she had faith. Again, she was female. She shouldn't have been talking to a man in public in that day. She was foreign. She was one of the Canaanites, that, a descent of that. But she had faith. Learn from this. Faith is available to everybody. Faith is available to everybody, regardless of ethnicity. didn't matter that she was of Canaanite descent. Faith was available to her. Regardless of gender, she was a female. Who cares? Faith was available to her. What kind of faith am I talking about? I'm talking about saving faith. Where you believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sins. That Jesus was buried for your sins. And the third day, Jesus rose again from the dead. You say, well, right here, Jesus hadn't died yet. He's still walking and talking around. That's right. But I guarantee when the time came, when she heard the story about he died and rose again, she'd have believed it. Faith is available to everybody. But I want you to notice when she came back to Jesus, look in verse 25. She began with worship. She began with worship. Now that word worship in the Greek can refer to the position of the body. In other words, you just get down on the ground. But it can also mean the attitude of the heart. And again, you're going to have to decide... And I'll share with you my opinion shortly. You're going to have to decide, well, did she just get down at his feet or was she worshiping him from her heart? Not only did she begin with worship, but look in verse 27. She acknowledged her unworthiness. She acknowledged her unworthiness. She says, I am a foreigner. You're right. I'm a foreigner. But we know she was also a sinner. Just like everybody else in this room. A sinner. We must all realize that we are all unworthy. We're all sinners. And all we deserve is what we have earned. And what we have earned is an eternity in hell. That's where God's grace comes in. God's grace doesn't allow us to get what we've earned, hell. It allows us to participate in eternal life in heaven. And so she begins by worshiping Jesus. And then she acknowledges her own unworthiness. And notice how she responds. She said, well, even the dogs get table crumbs. Even the dogs get table crumbs. She accepted Jesus' reference to her as a dog. In verse 27, when he says, it's not right to give the children's food to dogs, she says, true, Lord. She accepted his reference to her as a dog. By the way, this was a common Jewish term for Gentiles. And so there were the Jews, God's people, and then everybody else was a dog. Now, let me tell you this. It's not like dogs today who are part of the family, okay? It's not like that. When you called somebody a dog back then, that wasn't nice. 
You call somebody a dog now and they'll say, well, yeah, I treat my dog better than my own kids. She said, even the dogs get the table crumbs. Let me tell you something. A crumb from Jesus could do more than all she could. And she knew that. If I could just get a crumb from Jesus, that's more than I could do. And I want you to know this too. A crumb from Jesus is incalculably powerful. But here's another piece of good news I want to share with you. Jesus doesn't give crumbs. He doesn't give crumbs. In fact, look what Paul writes about that in Ephesians 3.20. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. He doesn't give crumbs. Now, yes, a crumb from Jesus would solve this woman's problem. A crumb from Jesus is incalculably powerful, but Jesus doesn't give crumbs. He gives us exceeding abundantly more than we can ask, more than we can think. I think this woman here demonstrated Hebrews 4.16. I have it up for you on the screen here. Let me read that. It says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, this woman had a great need, right? Her daughter was demon-possessed. She had a great need. And I don't think anybody in this room would say, well, she wasn't bold. Yes, she was. She came boldly, not to the throne of grace. She came boldly to the one who sits on the throne, Jesus Christ. But here in this verse, God, through the writer of Hebrews, invites us to approach God's throne. The invitation itself is an act of grace. We are strongly encouraged to seek God's help. And the good news is that God is ready, willing, and able to help us and to hear us when we call. God has taken the initiative to open up the lines of communication. So he says, look, the lines are open. Come. And don't just come. Come in confidence. Come boldly. And the reason God included Hebrews 4.16 in his word to encourage us to come to him Because our natural tendency is to not come. Our natural tendency is to not to ask for His help. We think we can handle things on our own, and so we don't ask for His help. We think God is not interested in our minuscule plight, and so we don't ask for help. We think God is too busy running the universe to be concerned about us. And we couldn't be more wrong. That's why God in His Word says, You come boldly, and you will find grace to help in time of need. Learn from this Canaanite woman, this Syrophoenician woman, whatever you want to call her. Learn from her. She boldly came to the Lord Jesus Christ to ask what her need was. And so we see her request. She requests for compassion. She requests for exorcism for her daughter. Then we see his response. How does he respond? Nothing. He doesn't say anything. And then she goes to his disciples His disciples don't like her bugging them, so the disciples come to Jesus and send her away. She's bugging us. He says, hey, she's not one of us. She's not an Israelite. And then she comes directly to him boldly. He says, it's not right to give the children's food to dogs. And she rebuts. She says, well, help me anyway. Help me. And if you just give me a crumb, just a crumb, will solve my problems. Remember, Jesus doesn't give crumbs. So let's look at his reward The first thing he does, he commends her faith in verse 28. He says her faith is great. Now let me tell you what that word great means in Greek. It means great, just like it says there. It means the same thing. He says your faith is great. Why? Because she 
She believed despite amazing odds. She was female. She was a foreigner. Jesus ignored her. The disciples refused her. Jesus rebuffed her. But she believed. That's great faith. You know, one day, and I'm looking forward to this, Jesus will commend our faith. In Matthew 25 and verse 23, it says we'll all stand before him one day. And he will say this. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. You see, faith is God's gift to us. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that's not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. But what we do with the faith is our gift to Him. And this woman took the faith that God gave her, and boy, she went to the nth degree. She was female. Didn't matter. She was foreigner. Didn't matter. Jesus ignored her. Didn't matter. Disciples refused her. Didn't matter. Jesus rebuffed her. Didn't matter. She believed. And Jesus says, your faith is great. But that's not the only thing he did to reward her. He heals her daughter that very hour, it says. He healed her daughter. He exercised that demon that very hour. And he did so from a distance. How do I know that? Well, when Mark tells the story in Mark 7:30, look what it says. And when she came to her house, she found the devil gone out and her daughter laid on the bed. So in other words, she didn't bring her daughter to Jesus. She just went to Jesus. She didn't have Jesus come to her house so that he could see and touch and, and so on. She just met Jesus wherever he was. She showed great faith and he healed her daughter. He exercised that demon from a distance. And by the way, when you read your Bible, Jesus doesn't do that very often. He usually shows up in person. But this is one of the very few cases where from a distance he heals her daughter. Now let me ask this. Was this all to teach this woman a lesson? This whole thing with back and forth with Jesus' disciples, was it to teach the woman a lesson? If you read commentaries, like I did in studying for this message, the commentators say, yes, Jesus was teaching her a lesson. He was doing these things and the disciples were doing these things to draw this out of her, her great faith. I don't buy that for a minute. Jesus knew she was right where she needed to be. Remember I asked earlier that word curios, it can mean master, but it can mean God. I think she knew he was God. And son of David, she knew he was the Messiah. And when it came time to worship, it can mean the position of the body, but it can also be the attitude of the heart. I believe she worshipped him from her heart. She didn't need to learn any lesson. She was right where she needed to be. She understood who Jesus was. She understood what Jesus could do. She understood that Jesus was concerned for her and her daughter. She didn't need to learn anything. So why this whole big story? It was to teach his disciples, and the other Jews. Now keep in mind, when Matthew wrote his gospel, he wrote primarily to a Jewish audience. Now I know we all read it, and we're looking at it right now, and most, if not all of us, we're not Jews. But Matthew did have that in mind. He was writing to a Jewish audience. And so he really brings this out here. And that is that race, race and ethnicity don't matter to God. Now that would matter to the Jewish people. They thought they were really somebody because of their race, because of their ethnicity. We're the Jews. We're God's chosen people. That doesn't matter to God. 
Do you know why God created the different races? He created the races for variety, not superiority. Let me say that again. He created the races for variety, not superiority. What if no matter where you went in the world, everybody looked just like you? That'd be boring. And so God created the races for variety, not superiority. And think about this. We all have one set of parents, Adam and Eve. And if you don't like going back to Adam and Eve, we all have, we come from one family, Noah's family. We're all related. We're all cousins or whatever, whatever that would be. We're all related. And so the reason Jesus went through this whole thing was to teach his disciples and the other Jews that race and ethnicity do not matter to God. But he went through this whole thing to teach us too. Being female and being foreign is irrelevant to God. And just as I said that races were for variety, not superiority, genders are for biology, not inferiority. Men are not greater than women. Women are not greater than men. We're made different for biology. So what does matter to God then? If race doesn't matter, ethnicity doesn't matter, gender doesn't matter, what matters to God? Having faith is what matters to God. Look what the writer of Hebrews puts in Hebrews 11.6. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he that comes to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Do you need to be a man? Do you need to be a woman? Do you need to be black or some other color, white? What? No, you need to have faith. What kind of faith? Well, the faith like this woman had. The faith that Jesus would experience and say, that's great faith. You believe against all odds. You believe. This is what matters to God. Faith. If you're here today, this morning, and You've never believed in Jesus as your Savior. You've never received Him believing He died on the cross for your sins, was buried for your sins, and rose again the third day. This is where it all begins. You need to exercise that faith. Believe in Jesus as your Savior. But I would say most of us in this room have already believed. And so, what do we do? We need to have great faith. And we need to believe against all odds. We need to keep believing. We need to keep asking. We need to keep seeking. We need to keep knocking so that one day we stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. He will say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I'm telling you, that's what I'm looking forward to. I I don't care about the streets paved with gold. I don't care that buildings are made out of gold. I don't care that there's angelic choirs. I mean, that's going to be great. I want to hear Jesus as he looks me in the eye Say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That'll be heaven for me. All the other stuff is just, that's extra. I want to have great faith. And I'll tell you where we learn to get great faith. You look at this woman. The Canaanite woman, the Syrophoenician woman. She was female. Who cares? She was a foreigner. Who cares? Jesus ignored her. Who cares? The disciples refused her. Who cares? Jesus rebuffed her. Who cares? She believed. And Jesus said, Now you have great faith. Let's be people of great faith. Believing no matter what. And again, if you're here this morning, you've never taken that initial step of faith. You've never believed in Jesus as your personal Savior for the very first time. 
we invite you to believe. And then like the rest of us, keep believing. And one day you will hear the precious words of Jesus. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the great faith of this woman from Canaan. May we learn from her. May we emulate her faith. May we believe no matter what. And there may be some here today who've never taken that initial step of faith, trusting Christ as Savior. Give them grace and faith to believe right here, right now. And for the rest of us, may we keep believing, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking for your honor and your glory. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. As we sing our last hymn or hymn of invitation, if God is leading you to make a public decision and you would like to come, I'll be sitting here at the front. I don't stand. I guess I could. But anyway, I'll be sitting here to receive you, to pray with you. Maybe you'd just like to come to the altar and pray. Uh, You come as God leads you. Maybe you want to join this church. That's okay, too. You come as we sing. Number 238, Beneath the Cross of Jesus. Beneath the cross